Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy and your great love that we sing about. Uh, Father, your love is unconditional and your love is immeasurable. And we are so grateful to be recipients of it today. We thank you and praise you for all that you have done and are doing and will do in our hearts and in our lives uh, today. And Father, we, we, we come to you this morning in gratitude for, for all your wonderful gifts, but also, Father, we come realizing, Father, as we think of your love and your mercy to us, we realize, Lord, our condition before you and ask that you forgive us where we fail you and where we come short. And help us, Lord, to uh, be more determined to live in a way that would honor you and please you uh, in the decisions and, and, and conduct that we have each day. And Father, we thank you for each one who is gathered here today, each family that's represented, and we pray that you would be with them and, and uh, watch over them, protect them, and we know there are many concerns upon their heart for people in their families and among their friends. And we ask, Lord, that you heal and that you help and that you give grace and guidance and strength uh, where, where it is needed. Lord, we pray for our country. We lift uh, those that lead us up, that uh, you would, uh, Father, uh, give them the wisdom and guidance uh, to, the, to govern each of us in a way that would be pleasing to you. And now, Father, we thank you for this service. And we pray that we bring honor to you and praise to your name uh, that you would be lifted up in everything that's said and done. For it's in the strong name of Jesus, your Son and our Savior and Lord, that we pray. Amen. We uh, do appreciate your presence today in the, in the house of the Lord. This week, you know, hundreds of married couples have scurried to Hallmark or Walgreens or CVS or other places to purchase a card or a gift uh, from their beloved. They hope in some uh, tangible way to express feelings of love and devotion uh, toward their spouse. And I sincerely hope this morning that you uh, have had a week in which you felt loved and appreciated and honored uh, during this Valentine's week. Two men were talking one morning on the sidewalk. One of them said while he was holding a, holding a puppy up in his hand, a little puppy, and he said, I got this puppy for my wife. This is what he said to the other man. I got this puppy for my wife. And the other guy said, wow. He said, I sure wish I could trade my wife for something cool like that. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about marriage? When I told John, uh, Janice, she asked me midweek, what are you preaching on Sunday? Because I always, uh, Mark, Mark picks out songs and we pick out songs and it goes through a process every week, uh, the songs do, before they get put in the bulletin. And a lot of times she's, she's, and she's trying to figure out other songs to play like the offertory and prelude and so forth. So she said, uh, 
She said, what are you preaching on Sunday exactly? And I said, well, I'm preaching on marriage. I said, uh, something I'm, you know, I'm an expert on. <clears throat> and uh, she said, well, the song I picked out for offertory will be fine then when the storm passes by. <laughs> <laughs> marriage has gone through some tough times. Some, they were asking in Sunday school, said, now is this marriage sermon for old married people or young married people or people who are just getting married. I said, it's for everybody. I said, it's for the, the, the ones that hadn't been married to show them what marriage really is about. And if, if for the young one, it tells you what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to be doing. And I said, and if you're old, it's still what you should have done. <laughs> so it's for everybody. Uh, but marriage has gone through some, some trying times lately. Uh, but the statistics show that most Americans still believe in marriage. For instance, the United States has one of the highest marriage rates of any nation in the world. Do you realize that in America, 90, in the United States, 96% of people get married? Uh, that's high considering the rest of the world. And when asked to list the ingredients of a happy life, no matter who asks it, ask it, uh, being married is going to always be close to the top of that list, if not at the top. What does it take to make life happy? Well, being married is going to be at the top of the list. And even couples who divorce, uh, 80% of them, 80% of them turn right around and do what? They get married again. So we believe in marriage. Most Americans want to be married. They want to be married to someone who loves them, someone who listens to them, someone who will stand by them, someone that they can grow old together. That is the desire of most Americans. One guy said it this way, he said, oh, before I married Maggie Deer, I was her pumpkin pie, her precious peach, her honey lamb, the apple of her eye. But years of married life, this thought I'm forced to utter. Those fancy names are gone, and now I'm just her bread and butter. <laughs> I'm just her bread and butter. What is the bread and butter of marriage, really? What does it take to make marriage successful, to make it work? How did God design it? So this morning I want you to think with me on this thought, getting to the bread and butter of being married. What does it take to be married? This is no uh, rocket science stuff. I think it's very simple this morning. First of all, it takes leaving. It takes leaving. And I want us to read from, from Genesis chapter 2, and we'll just read two verses, which is, gives us the very heart of marriage in these two verses. Genesis 2. It says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. 
First of all, we it takes leaving to make a marriage. It says in verse 24, For this reason, the joining together of a man and woman is what it's talking about in marriage. A man will leave his father and mother. If you want an ideal marriage, the first step that I think uh, that the Bible teaches us that we've got to take is for you to leave your former home and create a new identity as a husband and a wife. You've got to let go of the old identity and you've got to create a new identity as husband and wife. The closest relationship outside of marriage is specified here. We are to leave our father and our mother. All lesser ties also have to be changed or left behind. For you and your spouse to become a complete family, the man must lose the son to become a husband, and the woman must lose the daughter to become a wife. Now, let's understand something. I'm not talking about abandoning them. I'm not talking about walking off and, and, and live as if they didn't exist. That's not what this is talking about. What it means is that we have to change our priorities whenever we get married. We there is a change in our priorities. A man's full commitment must be to his wife. And a, and a wife's full commitment now has got to be to her husband. You must continue to honor your parents. You must continue to honor your parents. And I want, I want you to understand that. Because it may be necessary for you at some time to take care of them. And the Bible teaches that also. Uh, you must continue to honor your parents. Uh, but you assume responsibility when you get married for them, not to them. You assume responsibility for them, but not to them. You cannot remain under their authority once you get married. You have created a new, uh, a new authority, and that's you and your spouse. So you cannot remain under their authority. Now leaving, I want you to understand, is more than moving out. It's more than moving into a new house. Uh, it, it, it's more than moving into an, a new apartment or to an apartment. Uh, it's more than moving a dresser. It's more than moving a bed. Leaving is much more than that. What it means is you must rearrange your emotional ties. You must rearrange your emotional ties. Your wife being primary, your husband now being primary. You have to share feelings with them. You have to build closeness with this other person when you're married. And the spouse is to take priority over all other relations. You're never free to establish a new relationship as husband and wife until you have clipped the old relationships. You're never free to establish a new one 
until you have clipped the old relationships. Now, I want you to understand this. Problems in this area of leaving, and this is something that I've noticed in 40 years, over 40 years of being a pastor. Most problems in this area are not with the couple. You know where the problems is? It's with mom and dad. The husband and wife want to establish this relationship for the most part. Mom and dad stand in the way usually from it happening. Mom and dads have a hard time loosening the apron strings to their children and letting them establish this new relationship. We hear it all the time. She's always going to be my daughter. She's always going to be my daughter. Uh, no matter what. And my answer to you is in name, yes. She'll always be your daughter. But not in priority. She has a new priority. Her husband. That's her priority. Uh, children. The Bible teaches us are a gift. He, God, entrusted you with a child to nurture that child, to care for that child, to provide for that child, to prepare that child for its future, his future, her future. It's a tremendous job, and you and I know it is. And I've said a hundred times, right when you figure out a few things about how to do it, guess what? They're gone. <laughs> And you say, well, you'll just use them on your grandchildren. Oh, no. <laughs> That's a different animal altogether. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. But in time as a parent, you must clip their wings. You must turn them loose to establish this relationship that the Bible calls marriage. Now, let me tell you something, parents, about letting the children go and, leave, and letting them leave. Don't you ever get to the point that you worship your children. This happens. Matter of fact, in America it happens a lot. Don't you ever get to the point that you worship your children. Life is not about them. I don't care what you say. You've got priorities really mixed up. Life is not about them. Life's about God and our relationship to God. That's the most important. But what you need to be, you need to be a husband, you need to wife, you, you need to be a husband and you need to be a wife. You want to know how to best help your children? Be the best husband you can be. Be the best wife you can be. Be the best parent you can be. But you be all of those things. Don't you slack on any of them. The primary relationship in the home is the husband and the wife. Don't you ever let your children dim that view. The my primary, let me say it again, primary relationship in the home is not parent-child, but it's husband and wife. Don't let your children ever dim that view in your home. Valerie Runyon said this way, the last child was gone. My husband was laying on the couch, head in my lap, 
she said. I removed his glasses. And I said, honey, without your glasses, you still look like the handsome man I married years ago. He said to her, without my glasses, you still look pretty good too. (laughs) Listen, love your kids, prepare your kids for the future, but then let them go. Let them go. Just like you did with your parents. That's what you need to remember. How was it whenever you got ready to leave? Did you want them holding you back? No. You wanted to establish this new relationship. But you make your spouse the number one priority. So what is the bread and butter of marriage? It first of all takes leaving and setting them up as the top priority. Secondly of all, it takes cleaving. Now I want you to notice this word. He said that we are to leave a man, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and notice, be united to his wife. Now King James uses the word, I believe, cleave to his wife. A man is to leave and cleave to his wife. The NIV has, has translated it, unite to his wife. But the Hebrew word that's used here Uh, defines a union of the firmest kind. Uh, It really means to cling to. It's what the Hebrew word means. It means adhere to or stick to. Uh, uh, You know what super glue is? You know what super glue is? Everybody knows what super glue is. Most time there, there used to be a uh, and this is really technically what it's saying. Be super glued to each other. That's what it means. Super glued to each other. How many of you remember years ago, and, and this still might be available, I just don't know if people use it as much as they used to, but there used to be something called epoxy. And you had two tubes, you know. And they didn't do anything when they stayed in. But when you put them two things together, what happened? It would adhere. You could put mirrors on the side of cars with it and it would stay. That's how strong it was. Uh, and this is a, is a better look at it. We've got two people, but they are to be epoxied together. They are to be super glued uh, together, cemented together, welded together, uh, so that the two cannot be separated without damaging both of them. And that is what the word in Hebrew means here. So you are to be united. The man is to be united with his wife. The wife is to be united with the husband. Now the command here is directed to the man, but the principle, I want you to understand, applies to both of them. They are to be cemented together. Do all you can to form ties with each other. Ties with your wife that you'll be inseparable. That you'll be tied together. That you'll be stuck together. Adhered together. Intellectually. Emotionally. Every way. Then expect these ties to be strengthened and tested in the heat and the pressure 
of everyday life. I, you know, you're going to try to, you're going to try to stick together. You're going to try to adhere together. But let me tell you what life's going to do. Life's going to test that bond. Life's going to put it to the test. Every day when you wake up and you go in there and brush your teeth and you start your toothpaste at the end of the thing and she starts it at the middle, it's going to put that to the test. Whenever you want to get there 15 minutes early and she wants to get there five seconds early or late, it's going to put the adherence to the test. Uh, and, and again, like I've told you many times, I, I think what God does in his infinite wisdom is he always puts two opposites together. And then I just think it's amusing to watch. <laughs> they are different, but they've got to learn how to get along with each other. And it's all put to the test. God's plan is, is a connection that cannot be broken. That's what he's playing at. He wants a connection with you too that cannot be broken. Even though it's going to be tested, even though it's going to be tried, people are going to be pulling it both sides, but will it hold up? Will it handle the test? Another way of illustrating this might be in, our, in the house that we uh, owned before the one we live in. Now we had what was called pergo, basically, pergo floors uh, in that house. Now, that, that, that floor is put together in pieces. You know, you can go to Lowe's and buy them, and they slide the grooves, they slide into the grooves, or they're handled into the grooves, but you put it on, on the floor, you have some kind of a, uh, of a cushion or a mat that's laid on the floor, and then you put the floor on top of it. Now, the purpose of that is that even though this floor is put together and adhered together to stay together, that cushion does what? It allows it to move a little bit. Not much. Not move so much that it's going to come apart. But it's going to let it move. Why? Because it needs to. That'll make it last longer. And so the same thing is true in marriage, we, we're going to be stretched, we're going to bend, we're going to have to flex. Listen, if you go into a marriage, you know, it's going to be my way and my way only. Good luck. I'll see you at the hospital. Because <laughs> uh, that that's not going to work. But it's not supposed to. That's why it needs to flex. That's why it needs to give. It needs to stay together, but it needs to give a little bit. That's how it's worked out. In marriage, each person still has their own identity. They still have their own personality, which contributes to the marriage. Uh, you're still you, she's still her, in other words. Each of you seeks to do the will of God if you're believers. And this bond doesn't erase you. You'll disagree, and that's okay. Matter of fact, disagreeing is a sign of normalcy. 
Whenever I hear about people saying, oh man, they've been married 60 years and they never had a fight. You know what I think? First of all, I think they're lying. (laughs) And secondly of all, I think, well, if it's true, then probably what happened early in the marriage, somebody gave up. Somebody won a battle and the other person gave up. And you know what that is? That's not healthy. Uh, That's not healthy. It's normal that we're going to disagree. We've got to learn how to disagree agreeably, but we are going to disagree. This relationship of marriage becomes the primary relationship, as we've talked about, besides God in your life. And so what we need to understand, don't cleave to your children. They have to leave, remember? You don't want to be glued to them. They're going to leave if they're normal. So why are you going to adhere to them? Don't cleave to your children. Don't cleave to your children. They have to leave. And by the way, while I'm talking about this, your children as, you, as a parent, they are not your buddies. They're not your buddies. You don't need to be their buddies. You need to be their parent. Now I want to tell you, if you'll be their parent, Later on, they'll be your buddy. But I'm going to tell you something. Don't you be their buddies. You're called to a much higher task than that. Well, I just want to get along. I just want them to like me. Be the parent. Be the parent. That's what you're called to do. Be the parent in the home. Then you'll have a good relationship with them. But they need you to be the parent. Don't cleave to you. Don't cleave to you. Don't cleave to your children. Don't cleave to your job. Some people cleave to their job. Some people cleave to their hobbies. Some people cleave to their buddies. Some people cleave to their home or their toys. Women don't get glued to shopping. Don't get glued to friends. Don't get glued to TV. Don't get glued to books. Unite. Be super glued. To to each other. This is the ideal that is being talked about here. Uh, we are to be super glued to to each other, uh, and to cleave to each other, unite with each other. Uh, that's our responsibility uh, in marriage, um, and in anything else, we don't need to be cleaved to. We don't need to cleave to except that. Number three. It takes leaving, it takes cleaving, and thirdly of all, it takes achieving oneness. Achieving oneness. Look look again what the Bible says. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, notice, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no Shame. Now they became, they become one flesh. Uh, now the obvious explanation here uh, is of a physical union. That's obvious. Uh, the way a man is made, the way a woman is made. They're made to fit together like a puzzle. Uh, that's the way they're made. 
That's the way God intended uh, for it to be. And you probably some of you looking at, are you talking about sex? Yes, I am. Sex, I don't know if you know this, is not a four-letter word. <laughs> it's not. Any way you cut it, it's not a four-letter word. Sex is a God-given gift. It's good and it's proper. Listen, in the boundaries God has established. And within the boundaries God has established, it is good and proper. Now there's biblical boundaries in marriage. Uh, first of all, it's monogamous. Secondly, it's heterosexual. It's a man and a woman. That's what it is. Matter of fact, the old saying, one man, one woman, one lifetime. That's the design. Now, you say, well, I, what about divorce? Well, you know, everything don't turn out the way that the original design is. You can get... And, and, and I don't believe that, it, that for people who are divorced that you can say, you know, I hope everybody goes through this. No, you don't want that. You don't ever want it. It's not God's plan. It's not God's original idea. You can be forgiven of it, I believe, but it's not God's original design. The original design is one man, one wife, one lifetime. And there's boundaries. Uh, and... Uh, we need to strengthen the bond. Uh, we, we need to have this bond in marriage. Let me tell you what happens when we stay within the boundaries. It controls sexual urges. And listen carefully. Uncontrolled sexual urges or activity are always destructive. They're always destructive. Because they're not God's original attention. In fact, the biblical word for sexual union that you find in the Bible is the word is the is the verb, the Hebrew verb, to know. You know somebody. Adam knew his wife. We find it many times in the Old Testament. Such and such knew his wife. What is it saying? They had sexual relations uh, as man and wife. Uh, this is what it means. Uh, but understand marriage is much more than a sexual union. Yes, two bodies are joined together, but it also involves the joining of the spirit and the soul as well. Through marriage there is to be a weaving or a blending together of two people physically, emotionally, spiritually, until they are like one person. There is the achieving oneness. It doesn't just happen on a physical level, but it's to happen on every level, emotionally, spiritually. They are to be as one. They are to achieve this oneness. You giving your best, you receiving their best, till the both of you operate as a whole, as one person. This is what makes great parents. This is what makes great marriage. When those two people operate as one. And this is what happened with Adam and Eve. That's why it says they were naked, but they felt no shame. What does this mean? 
This simply means they were open with each other. It means the physical part, they were naked, yes. But it also means they were open with each other. They shared with each other. There was nothing to hide with them. There was a transparency. There was no hidden agenda. They were one. When you saw them, there was a oneness about them. Now what happened when sin came, it did what? It destroyed the whole thing. But this is what God wants us to achieve in marriage. When you're married for a long time, and some of you who are know we're going to tell these young people something here, uh, there's a sense of, and it's scary. I, I, I tell Janice all the time, boy, I'm re- that, this really scares me. Because I'll say something. She said, you know, I was thinking that same thing. (laughs) Oh no, you're thinking like I am. (laughs) And I'm thinking like you are. (laughs) Uh, But uh, it happens all the time. There is the achieving oneness where the two act as... You know, Plato, a Greek philosopher, believed. uh, He had this belief. Now... This is his belief. I want you to understand. Don't go around and say, our preachers told us this. He told you Plato said this, is what your preacher's getting ready to tell you. Don't you go out here and say, our preacher told us that this was the way. No, this is how Plato said it happened. And Plato believed that all of us are half. We've been halved in two. That we used to be twice the size that we are now. And the gods got mad and they just hyphed everybody in two. So somewhere out there in the universe is the other half of me. And, and, and he said that you achieve happiness by finding your other half and making the whole. This is what, this is what he believed as a Greek philosopher. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, Of course, that's not true, I don't think, but here's what is true. Marriage is like finding the other half of yourself and making wholeness about it. That is what marriage is about. No hidden agendas, no fear. It's as if they were naked before each other. Uh, But we, we are to achieve oneness. A groom was standing before the altar getting ready to get married, facing his bride. He was nervous as all get out, as you can imagine, sweating, worried, afraid he might say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, the way most grooms are uh, that I've been associated with. And so... In the ceremony, he looks, stammers and stutters, but he looks at the preacher, and what he intended to say was, is it customary for the bride, for the groom to kiss the bride? That's not what he said, though. That's what he intended to say. Instead, what he said was, is it customary for the bride to cuss for the groom to cuss the bride. That's what he said. And the preacher, I love his reaction. 
he just was stunned for a moment. Is it customary for the bride, for the groom to, to cuss the bride? And the preacher looked at him for a moment and then said this, Not yet, son. <laughs> Not yet, but soon. Very soon. <laughs> Very soon. <laughs> well, what marriage is really about is achieving oneness. Completing the other person. And that ought to be your goal as a, as a uh, married person. To help the other person achieve one, and you to achieve oneness. What, what God wants to happen in every marriage is true intimacy. Now, you're going to have to visualize this. True intimacy. Let's use the word I-N. In to T-O, me, see. Let's think of the words. In, to, me, see. Intimacy. That's what he wants. And men, I can tell you this morning how you can, if you're interested, how you can live five years longer, have fewer automobile accidents, and be sick 50% less and earn 30% more. If I could tell you how you could do that, would you be interested? Because a study has been done of this. A study has been done that says how a man can live five years longer, have fewer automobile accidents, be sick 50% less than what you are, and earn 30% more. And it's easy. Here's what you got to do. Kiss your wife every morning. It'll happen. According to this study. Kiss your wife every morning and it'll happen. And for the woman, let me give you something that you might be interested in. Agatha Christie said this. An archaeologist is the best husband a woman can have. Here's why. The older I get, the more interested in me he becomes. <laughs> the older I get, the more interested in me he becomes. Okay. The bread and butter of marriage involves these three great truths. Leaving, cleaving, achieving oneness. Uh, how do we do it? Well, the little boy went to Sunday school and he came home telling his dad about the lesson that he had in Sunday school. And his dad asked him what it was on. He said, well, it was on Jesus at the wedding in Cana of Galilee and he turned the water into wine. And his dad asked him, did you learn anything from this? And the little boy said, thought for a moment, and he said, yes. He said, here's what I learned. If you're having a wedding, make sure Jesus is there. <laughs> well, I don't tell you, folks, I don't think I can improve on that. <laughs> if you're having a wedding, or if you're in a wedding, make sure Jesus is there. And here's why. Jesus is the friend 
of the home. He's the friend of marriage. Uh, you need him to be a part of your marriage. And he'll make it work. He will. There's a lot of foes to the marriage out there today. A lot of enemies of marriage. But let me tell you who the friend of marriage is. Jesus. Make sure you invite him to be a part of your marriage. And it will be successful. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in your house today. We thank you for marriage. We thank you that you've given us this as a way to establish the home, to establish the family. And we pray you might help us continue to be learning how to, how, how to uh, achieve the oneness that, that you desire in our marriages. We hope you enjoyed this message, getting to the bread and butter of being married, coming from Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 through 25, by the Reverend Roger Beck. Don't forget you can also watch us live on YouTube. Just search for Meadowbrook Baptist Church. And you can also view the recorded message later on on YouTube.com. Search for Meadowbrook Baptist Church. We hope you have a blessed week, and we will see you next Sunday.